Good morning to those, but not exclusively, who have electric stoves in their home. I'm Carter, and today we're here with Dr. Hingstrom to talk to us today about wildlife damage management. So this week on the CNR Reporter, the CNR Coloring Book and Sticker Design Contest is due in two weeks. The Herpetology Club is having a plant and planting sale on Wednesday the 18th from 10 to noon. There are two cool job opportunities through the AmeriCorps. You can be an environmental education intern or a horticulture intern. Both of them are at Botanical Gar- Monk Botanical Gardens in Wausau. So you can check these out on the CNR job board. And there also has been an error in the major minor change request forms on Access Point. So if those pertain to you, please submit those forms again. And now what you came for, we have a special guest from the wildlife discipline. Would you like to introduce yourself today? Sure. I'm Scott Hingstrom. I'm a professor here at UW-Stevens Point in the wildlife program. Um, I also wear many hats, and so I'm also a, an extension wildlife specialist for the University of Wisconsin. That means I do a lot of outreach work with the public within the state of Wisconsin. I'm a Douglas R. Stephen Endowed Chair uh, of Wildlife, and which means uh, a family, the Stevens family donated $2 million to the university. And that has enabled uh, the university to employ me and uh, provide operating work uh, for me. Mm-hmm. Last is I'm, I'm a director with the Wisconsin Center for Wildlife, which is a new entity that came on. And it's because of that Stevens endowment that we were able to establish this uh, Wisconsin Center for Wildlife. Could you tell us, so do you, do you teach at Stevens Point? I do, but my position's quite different from all the other faculty. Um, everybody else, for the most part is 100% teaching appointments. I'm only a 25% teaching appointment. So I'm roughly 25% uh, teaching, 50% extension. That's that statewide outreach. And then uh, the remaining 25% is kind of a mix of, of research, administration, service. You know, I'm kind of the jack of all trades, master of none perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do a lot of things, a lot of, you know, quite a variety of things at the university compared to the other wildlife faculty. How long have you been at Stevens Point for? Just over six years. And before that, I spent 26 years at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Hmm. What, are the, what are some of the differences that you uh, like and dislike between Stevens Point and Nebraska? Well, Stevens Point obviously is much better. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, Point has this uh, focus on undergraduate teaching. And uh, UW-Stevens Point, the College of Natural Resources, and especially the wildlife program is known nationally. I mean, we're always the top three as far as the largest. And I'll say we're the best program in the nation as far as undergraduate programming and teaching in wildlife. Um, And so, you know, it was not that hard of a decision for me to to move from Nebraska, which, you know, it's a Big Ten school, you know, D1 research Mm -hmm. institution. But uh, I did my master's here at UW-Stevens Point uh, back in the early 80s. And uh, I always looked at opportunities to get back at Stevens Point because there really is something special here with the faculty, the staff, and the students um, and and the student chapter of the Wildlife Society. There's nothing like that anywhere else in the nation. Mm -hmm. Do you have, I know that you said that uh, you only have a 25% uh, teaching right now. So do you have any favorite classes or classes that you do like to teach at Point? (laughs) Well, I teach three classes at Stevens Point. Uh, One is an intro level, Wildlife 150, Living with Wildlife. And the other two are uh, 300 level, Ungulate Ecology and Wildlife Damage Management. 
And um, I think my favorite is probably whichever one I'm teaching at the time. <laughs> you know, I just really enjoy teaching all three of these courses. Um, I taught wildlife damage management for, I think, 26 years. And so uh, I've been at that a long time. Uh, wildlife, uh, under the ecology is, is really a lot of fun because I've done a lot of work on deer and elk and, uh, and the African ungulates in the past. And then this living with wildlife course, this intro level course, it's one that I've always wanted to do. And finally here at Stevens Point, the last three years, I've been able to, to co-teach that with Dr. Sartini and uh, really enjoy reaching out and connecting with, with freshman students on, on issues with wildlife. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about the South Africa class that you do in the summers? Sure, it's an internship program that I manage from 2015 up until 2019, so, so four or five years in there. Um, but we had to cancel it in uh, the summer of 2020 because of COVID. And uh, it looks like we won't be able to do it next year as well. But it's, it's a program I have going on with a colleague that uh, I have there, Christian Winterbach, who is a researcher of lions in, uh, in Botswana. And so uh, I think for five years, I was able to send over a student who I hired as a technician and two interns to uh, work with Christian there. And I'd usually travel there, get him started, and then I'd uh, go off and do a little hunting and then come back. But uh, I stayed in touch with them. And uh, they worked on uh, predator densities, and then they did distance sampling for, uh, for prey of large African carnivores. So they spent a lot of time in the field uh, doing survey work. And then in addition, they usually pick up on a project of their own. And so, for example, um, Nate Weisenbeck and uh, Tommy Young recently did a project on African elephants, uh, doing uh, photogrammetry and estimating the ages and, and, uh, and sexes and, and working on kind of a population structure of, of elephants in northern Botswana. So cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. What led to the development of that internship? Was it just an opportunity that presented itself or did you actively work towards getting students from Stevens Point to go there? I guess I'd say it, 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 it was an opportunity that sort of presented itself or I sort of made on my own. Um, I, I went over to Africa, I've been there six times now. First time was 2011 and in which I went to visit a faculty member who was a Fulbright scholar there. And uh, we toured through Namibia, had a terrific time and, and, and the bug bit me. And so the next year I was back there and I was invited to teach at the Cheetah Conservation Foundation. And so I taught on wildlife diseases and uh, human dimensions and on uh, group dynamics. And, um, and also got the chance there to meet with Christian and Hanlu Winterbach, these lion researchers from Botswana and hanging out with them. Um, I just decided with my wife to take a trip over there the next year to the Okavango Delta. And we started working on a book together and we thought, hey, Christian, you need help in the field. Well, I have students who really could gain experience and integrate that with the summer field experience. You know, the six weeks there, the six weeks in Africa, this could work well. And, and we just kind of put it together and it rolled beautifully, I think for, for three, for, for five years. Uh, but now COVID's kind of shut us down. So I'm not sure where it's gonna go in the future. What led you to this career path? Like where, where did you grow up and what got you interested into this? Yeah, I grew up in Western Wisconsin <clears throat> over on the Mississippi River in Pierce County. And uh, I went to UW River Falls. And uh, at that time I was interested in either being a game warden or a dentist. 
Uh, those are two fields that are kind of far apart, but uh, I guess I had a really good dentist back then too. And, but I had a new assistant professor, Mark Berglund at, at UW-Rural Falls, who came out of the wildlife program in Michigan. And uh, he was a fascinating guy. I worked for him as a TA in, in about three or four different classes. And he encouraged me to go on to graduate school in wildlife. My interests were in wildlife. And, and I did that. I got an opportunity to come here to UW-Stevens Point. Dr. James Harden was my advisor here. And I was an observer of, of teachers and the way they interacted with students. And, and I really then decided, you know, this is my career path. I really like the idea of doing research, doing outreach work, extension work, and, uh, and teaching in the area of wildlife. And I was a TA. I worked at the writing lab here, uh, gained great experience. I had the opportunity to go on to UW-Madison after working with the DNR for, for about uh, two or three years. I worked in their wildlife damage management program, coordinating that. And at Madison, uh, I had the opportunity to fulfill my, my dreams of doing research on white-tailed deer really extensively. But I also was working extension with my advisor there, who was an extension wildlife specialist, Scott Craven. And in the interim, I, I was able to take off a semester as well. And I went back to UW River Falls and taught uh, zoology and introbiology. And that's where it really solidified my, my idea that yes, being able to teach at a university and wildlife, uh, do research, these are all things that I wanna do in a career path. And while I was at River Falls, I saw this job announcement at uh, the University of Nebraska Lincoln and I applied for it and I got it. And I had a job full-time assistant professor job before I turned 30. So, you know, a lot of the stars had to line up for all that to happen. Uh, but I like to think that I did some of the right things too, made some good choices in my career path. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I stuck with it. I worked hard and, and I, got, I got to where I wanted to be and I, I have no regrets whatsoever. Uh, you mentioned being a jack of all trades. Do you have a specific specialty that you would consider yourself uh not necessarily an expert in, but that you thoroughly enjoy? <laughs> well, the areas that I probably focus most on would be wildlife damage management, because I was a wildlife damage management specialist at University of Nebraska, Lincoln. And so I wrote books and edited books on, on that particular field and still have online training and books that I, that I develop in wildlife damage management. So that's helping People solve problems with, with you know, deer in their cornfields, wolves eating their cattle or sheep, uh, moles in the backyard, bats in the attic, you know, that type of thing, helping to resolve human wildlife conflicts. Um, in time, too, I, I gained an expertise and area in, in wildlife diseases. Um, I took a course in wildlife diseases here at UW Stevens Point from uh, Dr. Dan Trainer. Uh, the dean of the college at the time. Mm -hmm. And that really sparked an interest in wildlife diseases. And through the years, <clears throat> there's always this phenomena of what I call the disease of the day, in which right now we're in coronavirus. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of money available to do work on bats and coronavirus. At one time, it was chronic wasting disease. And I used to get a quarter of a million a year to hire students to work on chronic wasting disease. Uh, before that, it was avian influenza. You know, avian influenza was in there. Before that, it was Lyme disease. You know, I've seen these disease of the day fluctuations and funding, and I've, I've gotten involved in many of those. And so wildlife damage, wildlife diseases, and that's, I've always been a deer guy. <laughs> so I did my master's and PhD on white-tailed deer, and I worked on white-tailed deer in Nebraska for 26 years, had a 
had a 20 year project uh, on the Missouri River and I worked on elk there. And uh, then I picked up on, on African ungulates. So yeah, you know, that's what I mean. I'm kind of a jack of all trades. I've been around mm -hmm. a long time. So I've, I've done a lot of different things but I didn't take the reductionist approach to research. So I don't, I don't say that I'm the best or the expert in anything. Um, I just try and muddle along. Mm -hmm. When you were, when you were an undergrad or let's say like you were 20 years old, is this what you imagined you would be doing right now? When I was 20 years old, let's see, I was just starting my master's program. No, no, I was, I was a junior. That's right. <laughs> this is too far back. You know, um, when I was a junior, I really thought I wanted to be a game warden and I took mm -hmm. uh, a game warden exam and it was really watered down. And, and uh, yeah, I just, I, I didn't get the right feel from that. And then the influence of Mark Bergen, that professor, you know, he was fresh out of graduate school really pushing the idea of wildlife, wildlife research. And I was interested in that. I was helping him with projects and uh, helping with teaching as a teaching assistant in zoology and, and his wildlife course. And uh, all of that kind of turned me on to this world of, of academics and teaching and graduate work and research and in the wildlife area. So I guess you'd say, you know, that junior to senior year period in undergraduate school, and then coming to Stevens Point, uh, man, I felt like a kid in a candy store, um, you know, with all of the wildlife courses that were offered here, where at River Falls, there was only one. You know, I was a biology and a conservation major there. Well, I took as many wildlife courses as I could, so I filled in up my background there. And, um, you know, I guess it conveyed well because uh, I was able to work as a wildlife damage specialist for the DNR for three years, while also working on my PhD in Madison. So a lot of things fell into place that way. Were there a lot of research opportunities for you available uh, in your undergrad? Like, did you participate in any research? Uh, not much. Uh, with Dr. Berglund, he was fresh out of college, you know, and so he was promoting it in his classes for us to do individual research projects. And so I remember I did one on, on pileated woodpeckers, measuring uh, holes of pileatids. Um, so, it, you know, it got me a taste of research. I also got involved in, in uh, looking at, uh, well, they bought a new atomic absorption spectral photometer at UW River Falls when I was a senior. And they, they were just looking for somebody to do something with the thing. And so I went out and I browsed plants like a deer would. And then I took some uh, this spectrophotometry analysis and figured out what kind of nutrients perhaps the deer might be selecting. You know, so I did get involved in some research individually there. And then that followed with, with my master's work here at, uh, at Stevens Point. And then um, I actually proposed my own research project at, uh, at the University of Wisconsin while I was working in wildlife damage management. That didn't quite pan out, but uh, it made that connection with Scott Craven, that faculty member there. And that kind of opened the door. Um, he, he could recognize that I was interested and had some passion in the field. And uh, from there, I was able to do two or three different research projects on, on white-tailed deer and a lot of extension work on bears and raptors and all kinds of things. You know, I just, I took advantage of every opportunity that was made available to me, I guess I would have to say. And, uh, you know, the plate was always full. It always still is always full, it seems. Um, but, uh, you know, I encourage students to do that. Take advantage of opportunities as they come your way. There was, so there's some, some students are concerned about, um, they're, they're looking at graduate programs right now, and they're not really seeing 
um, like topics that interest them or excite them as much as they would like. You mentioned creating your own or, or proposing your own study. Is that, would that be beneficial? Like how do, how do you go about proposing your own study? Mm -hmm. Let me address the first part of that question, if I could, about, you know, graduate projects not quite fitting what their interests are. What I would say is that um, with a master's degree, what you do is you learn how to do research. And I don't think it matters a whole lot as to what you're researching on, whether it's pileated woodpeckers or blue spotted salamanders or white-tailed deer or wolves. You're going to learn how to do research. You're going to learn how to study. You'll learn how, you know, time management, a lot of other things. And, and so whatever species or whatever system you work on, it's going to benefit you. So don't be too concerned. I mean, if it's great, if you have a lifeline, lifelong passion to work on, work on elephants, and you mm -hmm. can find someone who's working on elephants, you can go to Africa and you can spend time crawling through the bush, more power to you. That's great. But don't work too, you know, don't set your sights too high, I would say, for a master's program. Okay. And the other respect, if you're going for a PhD, a PhD oftentimes will define you. I did my PhD work on, on wildlife damage management, and that's what I became as a wildlife damage specialist, and it still is what I do. So you are a little more specific by the time you get to a PhD. As far as creating your own project, uh, I was really interested. I was working for the DNR on wildlife damage management. I saw some opportunities and some unique repellents that might be able to be tested using uh, some aversive conditioning and some pheromonal products. And uh, so I just developed a research protocol. I was interested in research, the, developed the study design, and I shot it down to Scott Craven because I knew he was working on deer and damage management, and uh, it piqued his interest. Okay. I didn't get the chance to follow that path because I had some other things I was able to get involved with that was funded down there, uh, working on, on fencing in particular with white-tailed deer and then deer responses to fencing. And, uh, and so it was close, but not quite exactly what I had proposed. Besides the research that you have available in, or the internship that you have available in um, South Africa, do you have any other research opportunities for students to get involved in? Um, the answer to that is yes, uh, but all of the slots are full <laughs> right now. Um, over the last two years, I've hired, I think, eight students and uh, two interns to work on our projects that we have. Um, and and we, right now I have three students that are fully employed on a cooperative agreement with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. We're working on dragonflies. Imagine that. <laughs> um, so I, what I would say is I do have opportunities for students to volunteer with a project. We have a project we're working with the DNR in which we're uh, trying to haze elk out of crop fields by the use of drones. And we need assistance with that as far as observers watching the pilot as well as watching the drone itself and watching the, the, the herds of elk that are out in crop fields. So that's something we're doing now through the fall and into the spring intermittently to, to be able to uh, get some experience with that pilot study. That I could use some help with. But the dragon file work, my eagle work, the deer stuff, um, I already have people employed. <laughs> I'd love to be able to hire more. I just need to pull in some more money. And actually I, I will have a graduate assistantship coming in pretty soon and maybe we'll have some opportunities with that. So even though you, some of your spots are filled a little, how do you recommend students get involved for these research positions? Um, I would say that, uh, first of all, check with individual faculty. You have to develop a relationship with these faculty here 
at UW Stevens Point because these faculty are known nationwide and we get job announcements. You know, I get USDA Wildlife Services announcements from all over the country. And I forward them on to Nate Weisenbeck, you know, with the Wildlife Society and he pushes them out to the student chapter members. And, you know, there's sometimes I'll get three or four a week. Other times I don't get any, but, you know, on average, I'm at least pushing one or two of those announcements out a week. So we see job announcements. We push them over on to others who can convey them, but but I have opportunities in USDA Wildlife Services that, that, uh, that pop up on occasion. So get to know me if that's an area that's of interest. If you're interested in quantitative ecology, um, you know, and looking at opportunities there, Dr. Riddle's a good one. Interested in wildlife diseases, get to know uh, Shelly DeBay. You know, these are people who can help you individually get opportunities either as a technician, a volunteer for starters, or, you know, we know of graduate assistant opportunities that, that pop up. So that's part of your social network. I always encourage students to go to conferences, <clears throat> go to the TWS, go to the Midwest, go to the state chapter meeting, because that's how you expand your social network with people who are working within the field of wildlife. And uh, I know of a lot of students who have been able to go back and connect with that, uh, say, DNR biologist who they talked about a project on, on uh, red-tailed hawks and uh, Glory B, money came available. That person was looking for two or three assistants. And before they knew it, bam, they were working on red-tailed hawks somewhere in Southern Wisconsin. You know, opportunities like that present themselves to people who help open the door. <laughs> if, if you don't make those connections, if you don't make that social network, you oftentimes miss out on, on opportunities that come up. Mm -hmm. There's the standard approaches, uh, the Texas A&M University Jobs Board. Everybody posts their jobs there. And so you should be checking that out at least two to three times a week to see what's popping up. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I remember defending our field because there's a half dozen jobs every day that pop up there. Not all of them are entry level jobs. Not all of them are what you're interested in. But I just see this continuous churn of positions that are available on Texas A&M Jobs Board. And so, hey, check that out. You know, all of the states have... Uh, jobs boards, you know, and so the Department of Natural Resources has jobs that pop up. Take a look at state jobs boards. If you want to go explore something like the Pacific Northwest, look at Washington and Oregon, you know, what jobs are available and popping up there in their state agency. See if there's anybody who you met at a conference from Washington, reach out and ask, hey, do you know of any positions available? And you never know, they may know someone in the Washington Department of Natural Resources who has a position available. And, you know, you connect the dots and, and surprisingly people get hired uh, oftentimes through that social network. So, you know, go non-traditional, go traditional, just go. <laughs> keep plugging away at it, keep applying. And our best and brightest students who do the work in social networking, who take the extra effort to get involved with the student chapter, of the Wildlife Society, they all get started and they all seem to get good jobs too. Mm -hmm. So what kind of jobs can students expect to find in this, uh, like the wildlife damage management or what are, what are some of the job titles that students could expect to go into? Okay, in wildlife damage management specifically? Yeah, or even just uh, wildlife ecology in general, kind of in your field that you are, you are in right now. Well, I'll speak to wildlife damage first, because I just think there are lots of opportunities. In fact, when I've taught my classes in the past, I've guaranteed students 
if they took my course and scored a B or better, if they stayed in contact with me and they graduated, I guaranteed them a job in wildlife damage management. There are that many jobs there. Um, a lot of entry level positions, a lot of them are offered at airports because now airports across the nation hire entry level wildlife biologists to do airport hazard assessments as far as geese and starlings and everything else flying in airplanes and then doing hazard work. And so they're capturing red-tailed hawks or falcons or who knows what. They're capturing and removing them from the airport space. And there are jobs all over the nation. Um, there were 10 of them in Alaska just last year that opened up. And I happen to know the director, the supervisor there. And one of our Stevens Point grads worked there. And so we had opportunities to fill uh, probably 10 positions up there with Stevens Point graduates if, if, if the interest was there. That's the federal side, okay? So on the state side, there aren't nearly as many wildlife damage positions, but there are a few, there are some. Uh, there was just one hired recently in the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources. And then there's also the private sector. You know, and a lot of students don't think about the private side of wildlife management, but we have wildlife control operators all across the nation. Um, the state of New York itself has 10,000 wildlife control operators that are certified. There are many in Wisconsin. And so you can get entry-level positions with, with like a mom and pop operation, or you can go to a company, a franchise like Critter Control that has 125 franchises across the nation. And you can get entry-level jobs working in the private sector, which is very different. Uh, you need to accommodate, uh, you know, account for your own um, uh, social security payments for insurance, et cetera. Um, but if you're one who wants freedom and you develop your own position, your own program in wildlife damage management as a wildlife control operator, I mean, the sky's the limit. Mm -hmm. I know wildlife control operators that pull down a half a million a year uh, doing just bird control work. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to oftentimes be associated with urban areas, you know, because that's where most of our human wildlife conflicts are occurring. And, uh, and for some people that's not the right place for others. That's exactly where they want to be. And helping to resolve people's problems is, is a very admirable uh, aspiration as far as people in the wildlife field. Yeah, that was, that was really helpful. I mean, I wasn't really sure of where to find these jobs or <laughs> other students could be confused about where, you know, to look for these jobs, but that was really helpful. And I think that'll be beneficial to the students. Hey, take my class, Wildlife Damage Management. It's Wildlife 348 this coming spring semester, spring mm -hmm. 2021. Hey, how's that for a plug, huh? <laughs> but in that, uh, you certainly will get experience and opportunities. That class will be involved in hosting the Wildlife Damage Management Conference, which will be virtual this year. We were planning to host it in, in Madison, but nonetheless, you'd still have the opportunity for virtual connecting of, of wildlife experts all across the nation, uh, especially in wildlife damage management. Yeah, wow, that's really helpful. So <clears throat> we're kind of at the, Kind of coming towards a close, I always do this with all of my interviews that I do. Um, so what is something that you enjoy about the field that you're in or the position that you have right now? Well, if you couldn't tell by now, I'm, I'm the eternal optimist. I mean, I think there are tremendous opportunities for students in the field of wildlife. You just have to stick with it and you need to do well and follow the advice and instruction of, of others who have been there before. Um, but this is one of the things that really turns my crank is being able to be at UW Stevens Point 
and mm-hmm. work with students uh, because the, the greatest benefit that we see within our jobs is when our students go on to take on you know entry level and they keep moving up the ladder, ladder and eventually they land these career level positions. Um, many of you know Joe Quayle, I think. He was our president of the Wildlife Society just last year. He just mm-hmm. took on a graduate assistantship at the University of Tennessee. And I was able to write a letter of recommendation for him. And one of my friends, Craig Harper, who's going to be one of his committee members. You know, so this world of wildlife isn't all that large. And we are, are we seek enjoyment about helping our students get good positions. We, we work hard to train you, to educate you in the field of wildlife. And, and that's not where it ends. Not when you graduate. Uh, when you walk out that door, we're still here as a support staff. And, and that's just one of the things that really gets me going as far as my job is being able to help students move on to whatever the next level may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you have, what about any secret advice that you've learned over the years uh, that you'd be able to give to students that may give them a, another edge or a more competitive when applying to jobs? Yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure if this is a secret, but I, I thought about this briefly, and I've said it to a lot of students, to all of my advisors. Um, UW-Stevens Point is a pretty special place. It's one of the largest and I think the best undergraduate wildlife program in the nation. We have students that have placed and, and are full-time career people. They've been in positions for 30 years from Stevens Point all across the nation and Canada and Mexico. I mean, our students have gone everywhere. So when you apply from, for a position and you have on, you have a Bachelor of Science degree from UW-Stevens Point, mm-hmm. that, that application doesn't go in the circular file immediately. They hang on to it. It makes the next cut. And then oftentimes they look down that and they look at your experience and involvement in the student chapter of the Wildlife Society at Stevens Point. And if you're not involved, a red flag goes up. Hmm, what's... what's going on what's wrong here because man run we won the national uh chapter of the year award uh, five six seven times everybody knows about the student chapter of the wildlife society at stevens point now i know not everybody can be involved because you have to work you have other things going on and, and that's that's understood and acceptable but if you have the opportunity be involved with uw stevens point student chapter of the Wildlife Society because it opens so many doors, the networking that opportunities that are there, the, uh, the seminars that are held every week by, by state agency people and, and others from all, all walks of the wildlife field, the connectivity that's there with those people as well as your colleagues, your cohorts, your fellow students, that opens doors like, like none else. And then, you know, if you're interested in becoming a project leader uh, potentially an officer of the, uh, the chapter, uh, the, the learning experience you have from that as far as being a leader, public speaking, public engagement, uh, and service is something that, that you can't get other places. And so I guess that's, that's my little secret is mm-hmm. um, UW-Stevens Point, a degree from here means a lot. And especially if you're working and involved with the student chapter, it even means that much more. Yeah. Thank you so much for giving us a little bit of insight and how to open up the doors for students in the future and stuff and how to make them more competitive. So if you guys have any questions, you guys can reach out to Dr. Hingstrom and uh, I'm assuming your email works the best. Yep. My email works the best. I check that about four times a day. So yeah, I'm happy to get back to people. 
yeah. So thank you guys for tuning in. And I hope that you guys have a fantastic week and to try and stay warm out there. So I'll see you guys next Monday. Thanks. Right. Have a great semester.